This is Advanced Autonomy. I'm Luke Renner. My guest today is a colleague of mine here at Sinjin, Biao Ma. Biao Ma is a VP of Engineering and the Head of Autonomy. Biao has spent his career in the autonomy space. He brings engineering expertise to the entire stack, including perception, planning and control, mapping and localization, and simulation. He was a software architect for Baidu's Autonomous Driving Division and has a master's degree in software engineering from Car- Carnegie Mellon University. In this conversation, we'll be talking about the five significant changes that have come to the autonomous vehicle sector in the last five years. Biao defines significant as changes that either A, didn't exist five years ago, or B, have improved by many, many multiples. Hi, Biao. Welcome. Hey, Luke. So you are here to walk us through the changes that have come to the self-driving space in recent years. So to kick us off, I wonder if you could just tell us what those changes are. Mm, Autonomy is really a superset of hardware, software, platforms, tools, and a lot of others. So first of all, I think the biggest one is the significant advance of the new computation method or new computational method in autonomy space across the key uh, subsystems. Number two are really the sensors. LiDAR, for example, the distance resolution and SNR, the signal-noise ratio, increased at least two to three times. The third are about the compute. GPU, for example, comparing to 970 five years ago, now the 3090 have 3x faster. And I remember 3x bigger of the VRAM. Also, we see five years ago, we don't have. There are open platforms, open source projects, open tools like PyTorch or uh, TensorFlow for developers to develop and way bigger and more data set. It is a bigger size and a better quality. The last one, not the least, is really new communication technology significantly change the game, like 5G. It mm. will change the locality of how the architectures could be designed. Got it. So we have new computational methods, more sensors, advances in compute power, the open ecosystem, and 5G. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. So let's dive into those. Um, We'll start with the computational methods. You know, you can't really, you can't really talk about new advances in computational methods without talking about artificial intelligence. So how are AI-based learning methods being used in different aspects of autonomy? So, so learning-based uh, method significantly draw attention and develop a lot in these five years. If we look at autonomy stack, perception is the starting point. Being able to perceive objects, classify them, track and predict objects is the place that really learning-based methods shine. And end of the day, having learning-based method uh, being developed and optimized in this mm-hmm. several years, we see significant change. It's really an open door that we, several years ago, we don't have. Understood. So tell me a little bit about some of the new algorithms that have been developed. 
There are many algorithms developed in autonomy across the stack. For example, the architecture for a perception stack, or specifically the object detection, classification, tracking stack, there we see generations of models. If you compare the state-of-art model today to not even five years ago, three years ago, there's a significant improvement of the accuracy and the latency and the efficiency of utilizing the compute unit. And we're going to cover how the compute also getting better. One of the things that I know that has changed a lot in the last few years is this idea that the data sets for AI models has really changed. Can you talk about some of the transformations that have happened there? Um, more than five years ago, well, it's uh, about five to 10 years ago, there's one of the popular data set is called KD data set. If I remember correctly, KD data set have um, about 7,000 frames. If okay. the frame is labeled with what object is, and it's a combination of camera and LiDAR. And they have a different uh, variance of that. Today, 2021, first of all, they have a big variety of open data sets. And mm-hmm. take one of the uh, popular data set, it have about um, five to 700,000 frames. So you see a significant difference in terms of the, the size, yeah. right? It's several, several hundred X. And yeah. also the labeled quality, uh, if we know more about the perception stack, it's not only about the label itself, but also the registration or the calibration of different sensor combination of LiDAR, camera, radar. The quality mm-hmm. also matter. Uh, we also see a significant change, not small improvement, but uh, is aligned way better to put it in yeah. a simple term, right? Registered, calibrated and synchronized way better, mm. right? So it used advanced way to synchronize the sensors. So it's way bigger set of the data and much higher quality. I know that one of the promises of bringing artificial intelligence to the autonomous vehicle space is particularly with dealing with corner cases or the long tail scenarios that a vehicle may have to deal with while driving autonomously. So can you tell me a little bit about what are the challenges of corner cases and what are people doing in order to solve those problems? Corner case challenge will be with us for a while. If we don't do computation in an effective and a scalable way, the long tail solution is extremely hard. That's why there are methods and platforms being built. Some are proprietary and some are open to mm-hmm at least do three things in a way effective way. One is to capture and create scenarios. So scenarios is really uh, one key of the development for autonomous driving. Mm-hmm. Number two is the a lot of them require automatic grading. Because again, if you need a human to look at the scenario, that will be bounded by human time. Mm-hmm. And the third is the big pipeline to trigger the computation in an effective way that come with not only the data pipe, but also the analytics and effectively store the data that matter to us. So you mentioned sensors. I want to talk a little bit more about that. So maybe you can tell us what are the major changes that have come to sensors in the last five years? Let me give you one specific example, LiDAR as an example, right? The 
significant improvement of number one, how many beams of the ladder unit? Five years ago, that's about 16 lines, and I used it 64 lines. As of today, there are more than 300 lines LiDAR in the market. Oh, wow. So you can see it's several times more, right? Yeah. And that is just one aspect. The second is the distance. The 16 line example, effectively, we can do perception using that for about 25 to 30 meters. As of today, a lot of the popular unit support the perception stack go beyond 100 meters. So th- you can see it's a multiple X improvement. The third one is really about the SNR, the signal noise ratio. It's not only about how much you get, it's also important how much noise you get, right? Mm. So uh, based on the experiment that uh, the data we have, there's a significant improvement, almost cut half and actually more than that in terms of reduced noise of the signal. So that mm. makes, that really changed the nature of the work of perception. And radar, LiDAR, camera, and other sensors are enjoying the, the same advance in these five years significantly. I'm just using LiDAR as one example. Yeah, yeah, I understand. So in the last five years, GPU computational power has increased threefold. And the video memory size has also significantly increased. Um, what, what would you say has been the impact for developers in autonomous driving? If you look at a learning-based model, is this model useful really is bonded by how fast the model can go. Right? Typically, we expect a learning-based model go beyond 10 hertz, 20 hertz to make it usable. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if a model is running at 2 hertz or 5 hertz, it's too slow. Right. And that is not only the how fast it go. Think about the doors it open for different structure of the learning base model. Right. So now with, as you can see, latest generation of the perception models is really focusing more on the, yes, it improved itself, but also mm-hmm. it utilized the latest generation GPU to make it efficient and fast. So th- and th- that is one side. The, the other ex- aspect is we typically say the model is too big mm-hmm. in a sense that it cannot fit in the GPU. Mm. Th- that is the part of the VRAM. How big the RAM is really change how big you can fit a model into the GPU. If you cannot fit in the model, the model is not usable, right? So it's way faster and much bigger really change the, the variety and the richness of the learning-based model you can pick, right? And, and of course, there are other details like uh, the latest generation have way more CUDA cores. There's a Tencent cores that uh, uh, we can leverage that already optimized with platforms like TensorFlow or PyTorch use the software plus hardware optimization for that. So mm-hmm. this is the key difference. Like before we either too slow or we just cannot fit in the GPU. Now mm-hmm. everything changed. Yeah. So I know that the rise of the open source ecosystem has really made it easier for engineers to work cross-functionally. You know, you mentioned TensorFlow as one example. I'm wondering if you could talk about that for a little bit and, and, and tell us how open source projects have really changed the AV landscape. In this five years, there are a list of open source projects, big or small, coming out. 
that okay. really open doors for number one, having the opportunity to learn from each other because different angle, different way of implementation. And we can see beyond that, the architectural decisions that they are looking at, or we can infer the challenges that are, they're having. The second point is, this is a great tool, a great method for the young engineers looking into autonomy as a starting point of the career. Mm, got it. So, uh, you know, bringing us to the end of our five things, the last thing you mentioned that's really transformed in the last few years is 5G. Now, I know a lot of people really assume that 5G is going to play a big role in this space and and have a big impact on how we think about autonomous vehicles and their ecosystems. But I don't think people really understand kind of what that change is going to look like, right? Like we know it's going to be faster, um, but maybe that is sort of the end of people's understanding. So I'm wondering if you could really explain it to us. How is 5G that much different than 4G? And how's it going to be that much different for AV development. 5G change where things happen. Technically, it's called locality. It's in the allocation view of a complicated architecture, like an autonomy system. Mm-hmm. So the reason it is so hard to make the edge device 2x or 10x powerful is it's bounded by the power itself. Right. Think about the edge device in, in a car. There's a limit, both power and the physical limit of how big and how power hungry the device can be. Mm-hmm. So having the opportunity to put certain key component in a different place that is mm-hmm. not bonded by the physical uh, dimension, not bonded by power, really give us the open doors for the next step. If you look at two key numbers of 5G to help us understand, number one is the significant reduce of the latency. Okay. 4G is typically 50, 100, or even more millisecond in terms of latency. Basically, okay. how do I get something delivered to your hand? Mm-hmm. And 5G is one to two millisecond or even less. So it's significantly faster. Again, that, that is not 10% faster. That is 10x, many x faster, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, this really changed where things happen and is that in time. The throughput is really, is not only how fast I get to you, but also how big a load I'm getting to you, right? So in that sense, 5G is getting beyond gigabit per second mm. at the scale of gig. So in that one second, significant load of data is getting to your side. So mm-hmm. putting the latency and the throughput together, that's a significant change, the factor where things could happen and where it is more optimized. So mm-hmm. uh, one example is maybe part of the computation of autonomy in the next step could be from the light pole. Because mm-hmm. we, we don't need to worry about, is it uh, too late to deliver to me or is it too limited by the bandwidth? Okay. So 5G is going to make things so fast that like some of these AV computations, some of this decision making and processing, it doesn't necessarily need to live right in the car. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, 
all of this is really fascinating. I really appreciate you walking us through all of that. Um, we're a bit out of time here, so I thought we would end with a question I've been asking everyone so far. This is our second podcast, so two people. My question for you is, what are you excited about in 2021? What are the breakthroughs that you predict might come to pass this year? Oh, this is a great question. Uh, I feel very lucky to uh, be able to study and spend my career in this uh, amazing industry. And this is just a starting point. I see autonomy from today towards um, a full extent. Is We still have a long way to go. And this 10x, 5x improvement will continue to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything else you want to tell us? So we are actually hiring across the stack. Okay. If you are interested in an industry that have not three, five percent improvement, but each area have several X improvement. This is really a good timing to look into this and join us. So if um, someone's interested in working for us, where should they go? Sunjin.com slash careers. All right. Sounds good. Well, um, Biao, I really want to thank you for your time. It's been super interesting. Uh, I look forward to speaking with you again. Talk soon. All right. See you next time. The Advanced Autonomy Podcast is hosted and produced by Luke Renner and is brought to you by Sinjin. Sinjin's versatile autonomous transportation technology brings advanced self-driving capabilities and enhanced data insights to the vehicles you already own. Learn more by visiting cyngn.com.